0: Just a few reminders this morning. This is a fifth Sunday. This is the only service we'll have today here in the AM. The only service that we'll be having today. Three weeks we are from Resurrection Sunday, three weeks from Easter. Uh, here we are just approaching it very quickly also in the month of April, which starts tomorrow, by the way. Uh, we'll be having Pastor and Sister Batson from Nashville, Tennessee uh, the weekend right after Easter and will be here with us ministering the word of the Lord in our a.m. and p.m. service. So you don't want to miss that. Amen. So that'll be something great to be a part of. Also, if everything goes as planned, they'll have camp registration open on the 14th, the second Sunday in April. So that's just two weeks from today. And so if you're going to camp, you want to take advantage of that date. Amen. In order to secure you a spot. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter number five. We are continuing, I should say, in our our mission series that concentrates upon what we purport to be the mission of this church, which is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning these souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. And from time to time, we revisit this here at our church because it's important for us to Come in contact with what we say our mission is and more than just come in contact with it, but to realign ourselves to once again, implement it within our lives, the life of the church, to practice it. Last Sunday, we started looking at this whole concept of winning those souls. We want to continue in that vein today. We did not finish last week, but we want to continue in that vein today. So we're going to read the scripture reading of 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17 starting and we'll read down to verse number 21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old oh, things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is part four this morning of our mission series. We want to concentrate just a little bit more on this aspect of winning souls. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I come to you today. I'm asking Lord Jesus for your help. Lord, in the next little while here this morning, God, anoint every mind, touch every heart. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord, to do, Lord, what we feel, God, as though we have been commissioned to do. I pray, oh, Lord, we do not want to, Lord Jesus, lack God in that, Lord, aspect, Lord Jesus, of the life of the church. God, what we, Lord, God, get underneath of, which is, Lord, the mission, Lord, of winning souls. Help us, God, today. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, even to ask, Lord, and plead, God, for those divine intersections, Lord, where that can take place and occur, Lord, in our lives. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it. In the love of the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen to the church. Say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Just real quickly, just a little bit as a review. The Apostle Paul is saying in the scripture that the man Christ Jesus was the means or the medium through which humanity was one to or somehow reached for God. They were brought to God by Jesus Christ. And that is great. That is great as long as Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ is walking upon the earth for the 33 or so and a half years in which he walked. Amen. Being able to be the tool or the medium through which people would come to God. But once he ascended, once he ascended and uh, he would go away, it then became our responsibility, you and me, our responsibility to uh, be the ministers, if you will, of reconciliation. Paul said that. We have been made ambassadors. We have been made representatives here upon the earth to fulfill now that commission that it's amazing thing even to ponder. But he says God is beseeching people through us. God is beseeching people by us that they would be reconciled to God or that that gap that's between humanity and God. That was first implemented or placed there from the very beginning in the garden when there was transgression and sin that entered the world that that gap would be closed by God beseeching people through our lives through even might I say our experience we personally don't have to be made sin for them because that was already done at Calvary Jesus Christ already satisfied all of that if anything I'd like to think of ourselves as As signs on the edge of the road that tell you when one lane's coming up, when the speed limit's 55, whenever there's a dead end, we're just signs along the road that are trying to point, if you will, to something more significant, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we understood then in the book of Romans where we left off last week that if if reconciliation or being reconciled to God happened by his death, then how much more? Uh, Should there be a reconciling to the Lord by the life, being saved by his life? And so we don't, as I stated last week in our closure, it's not that we just teach about the death. We do that. That's valid. That's important. It must be done. But we also teach about his resurrection, which we'll be doing here in just a few weeks on Resurrection Sunday. We talk about the new life that can be had as well. As a matter of fact, that isn't just something that we do, but we kind of pattern after the Lord Jesus Christ, something that he did even in his earthly ministry. On several occasions, the Lord in scripture, when he walked on the earth, he said, I am the light of the world. He said that in different places, multiple times. I am the light of the world. He told them that was living on the earth. He said, the light is with you. He's speaking in terms like that. The light is with you. He says in another place, he said, I am come. I am come a light into the world. He spoke of himself whenever he said these words. He said, the light that shineth in the darkness. He was relating to the world in which he came to. Uh, No doubt, as it is of any generation, full of wickedness, despair, and hopelessness. He said, I am the light, though, that shined in the darkness of that world. And this is what the Bible says now in John 1 and verse 6. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might Believe. So John came for a witness. He wasn't the light, but he was bearing witness of the light. Uh, He came for the purpose that people through him, amen, all men through him might believe not on him, but on the light. So here is John being, if you will, uh, ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is beseeching people through him, amen, to be reconciled to him. Verse 8 says he was not that light. John wasn't, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And so the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, great man, tremendous man, even related to Christ, the forerunner of Christ was to be a witness of the light or to be, if we go back to our last week definition of witness, uh, to be mindful of the light or heeding to, heedful of the light. He was not the light, but six months later after John the Baptist was born, came the light. The Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem's manger. Now, the Bible says in John 9 and 5, and these are some references, they might flash them up there. In John 9 and 5, the Bible says, as long as I am in the world, this is Jesus speaking. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world and I'm walking among them in shoe leather and I'm I'm along the shores they are and the mountains they are, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, 14 in his Sermon on the Mount, he is already speaking to them of a day when there's going to be a transition. He's speaking to them of a day when there's going to be a flipping, if you will, of responsibility. He said, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. What is he doing? Jesus is doing what any leader would do. He's grooming the succession. Amen. To those that are going to come up under him. And he's already setting them up. To be laborers, remember from last week, we're labors together in this. You know, one plants, one waters, and another gives the increase. And we are labors together with Christ Jesus in so much that the Lord is placing some of his honor, if you will, upon them. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So what that means, though, whenever I leave, then I'm not necessarily going to be in that particular capacity anymore, except I'm going to be the light through you being the light. I'm going to be the light through you being the light. And so I need you to stand in the gap, if you will. I need you to take this responsibility upon your shoulders. And he says, ye are the light of the world. If I might say, the moment that I leave the world, you become the light of the world. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's, it's me working in you, shining through you. In so much, he told them then in verse 16 in Matthew 5, he said, let your light so shine before men, That they may see your good works and do what? Glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. So you're just bearing witness of the light. The light doesn't necessarily belong to you as though you are the creator of it. Amen. But you are a sharer of it. Amen. You're a sharer of it to others. And when they see your good works, all the glory and all the honor, all of that goes back to your Father, which is in heaven. So he says, let your light shine before men, because when I leave, ye are the lights of the world. And men, they, they need to see that light. Just because I'm gone in a physical nature from the world doesn't mean they need to be void of the light. He said, we've tried to set this up. He said from Pentecost that they wouldn't be void of a light. I try to set this up with the purpose of the design of the birth of the church then so that the world would not be void of a light. He said, if anything, I've just multiplied it. Uh huh. I've multiplied it through the lives of everyone that's been born again of the water and the spirit, and it's to bring glory into your father, which is in heaven. You remember, I don't know if you will. I know a week goes by and you sleep a few nights maybe and uh, you forget some things. But if you will remember last week, we talked about whenever Philip and Andrew had told Jesus that there were some Greeks and people that had come to them and said, "Uh, sir, we, we would see Jesus. You remember that? And his response was this to them. His response was the son of man should be glorified. The son of man should be glorified. Amen. And the thing about that is this. He knew that being glorified meant that there was a cross in the picture. He knew that that meant Calvary was in the picture. But he also knew that being glorified went beyond the cross. It went beyond what happened on Calvary. That it also being glorified also incorporated his disciples, those multitudes that would become ambassadors as being lights of the world. Yes, yes. He said he would be glorified by being strung upon the cross. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. He spoke about how he would be glorified. But glorification also comes when we let our light shine before men. And then they see the good works and glorify our father, which is in heaven. So glorification for the Lord wasn't just about Calvary. It was, but it went beyond that. It was about us being the church. Him being glorified was about us also being the lights of the world. And so the fact of the matter is, just as the Greeks, people are longing to see Jesus. Just like those Greeks that came to Philip and to Andrew, sir, we would see Jesus. They're longing to see Jesus. But in order for them to see Jesus, Jesus must be glorified. Jesus must be glorified. Amen. And he'll be glorified. Amen. When they see our good works as lights of the world and point toward him. Amen. They need to see Jesus. Listen, if they see FAC is really not the point. That's really not the point. I hope whenever they leave it's not wow that first apostolic church was really something I hope when they leave they have the impression that God is really something and I understand we got to be kind and all that and we're we're means by which that light gets to them I understand all that but I don't want to impress them with personality I want to impress them with the spirit of the Lord and the way that I do that is try to come in here and be a witness sensitive and heeding mindful of him while we're here why? hopefully that he'll show up in some way in fashion. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Amen. So, you know, we want to be the light of the world for his glory, for his glory. Amen. And so Jesus tells them the longing, the longing of the people is the glory of God. That's what they're looking for. And that comes by the cross. Yes. But it also comes by us being mindful of him and being the light that he was. When he walked into this earth, that requires our involvement. That requires our involvement. I would probably say that one of the top reasons for not, quote unquote, winning souls is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. Because the Bible then it did say, let our light so shine before men that they may M-A-Y. See our good works. There is no guarantee they will. All right. There's no guarantee that they will, but the results are better if we never shine the light. You understand what I'm saying? And so the Bible says in Acts 28 and verse 23, these verses of scripture I wish to share and have several verses of scripture here along the way. I'd like to share with you. Acts 28 verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, There came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded. This is speaking of the Apostle Paul to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. Good job, Paul, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets and from morning till evening. That's quite a persuasive talk morning till evening. (laughs) And the Bible says in verse 24, and some believed the things which were spoken. And some believe not. So Paul has a day from morning to evening. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God, the things of God. He's, he's being persuasive. The scripture even indicates to us he's being persuasive using the, the, the Old Testament and the prophets and Moses. And he is really, I mean, he's given everything he's got. I mean, he's investing a lot of time here. And at the end of the day, some say, Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I get that. I want to be a part of that and others are saying, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. So what I'm telling you is this, the results, I don't care who you are, even the apostle Paul, the results are always going to be some didn't, but don't lose out on the fact that some did. And the reason why you go back to the plate is because some will. You hearing me? You can't just throw it all away. The Bible says in Acts 17, look at this now. In verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, where he hath given assurance to all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. This again is the Apostle Paul, Marcial, and others said, "We will hear thee again of this matter." So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus the Erepegite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. And so again, Paul is speaking to a group of people at Marcio. They're heathens, they're pagans. They are the ones that have all these altars to different gods and they have even an altar made to the unknown God. And Paul comes among them and says, this unknown God I declare unto you. And he talks to them about Jesus Christ. He talks to them as in the verses that I read to you, particularly about his resurrection from the dead. And once again, the results are what? Some mocked. Others said, we'll hear you again. On the matter, so they wasn't totally. I'm never coming back again, but I'll give you another opportunity. And some clave and believe, amen. So here's the apostle Paul again. This guy, I mean, think with me here for a moment. Uh, out of the New Testament, he is written. He's responsible for about two thirds of the New Testament being written. So this guy, he understands the scriptures. He can teach. He can preach. He's a good communicator. And yet some believe, and others don't. So ask yourself the question, then who in the world am I? Listen, if that happened to Paul, it's going to happen to you. If that happened to Paul, that's going to happen to the first apostolic church in Mount Carmel. But the fact of the matter is this, because it did happen to Paul, he did not diminish from preaching or from teaching. I mean, there were times he was left for dead. And when he got back up, what did he go back to? Doing the same thing he did that that laid him out on the street, you know, for a few hours because Paul was just so convicted and convinced that he and others being the light of the world thing was the path for people to be reconciled to God because God had given them the word and the ministry of reconciliation. He said in the book of Corinthians, he said, woe is me if I preach not, he said, the gospel. So he he feels this compelling. He says, this is my responsibility. This, this is what I'm here for. I can't sit, if you will, comfortably in a corner somewhere and just keep my mouth shut. He says, I got to do this. In other words, it's kind of like this. If, if, if I don't, who will? We got to have that, that type of a, a pressure or burden upon our shoulders. If, if I won't, then who will? I'm responsible for me for being the light. Amen. In this world. If you'll turn to Psalms 126, winning sows. Psalms 126 in verse 5 and 6. Here in the psalmist, the Bible said, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Then verse number six kind of elaborates. You know, it's kind of unfolding everything out and it kind of just really expands on what was said in verse number five. And there's basically four things that are said in verse number six. You got to go forth. It's got to be the weeping. You're bearing, you're taking seed with you. And then when you return, you're coming, you're rejoicing because you got sheaths within your hand. So the first instruction then is this. We must go. It's the same instruction he told his disciples with the commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's the same thing that he spoke in the last portion of Luke where he told them to go and make disciples, baptizing them of all all nations and nationalities. We must go. But number two, it is go forth and weepeth. Why was there weeping? They are weeping because they are burdened with the seed that they are carrying, in different places of the Scripture, the seed many times referred to as the Word or the Word of God. As a matter of fact, whenever you you, you look in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter number fifteen and on, you'll start seeing these little words or phrases pop up. In the book of Isaiah, it talks about the burden. You'll read it. It talks about the burden of Moab or the burden of Damascus or the burden of Egypt, the burden of the desert by the sea. It has all these chapters that start out as the burden of such and such. But in each instance, following that statement, is a word or a message that's concerning a particular place. So it might say the burden of Moab and then would say the word of the Lord came unto them saying such and such. And so the burden was always tied to a word. As a matter of fact, we see that in Jeremiah 23, verses 33 through 40. I'm not going to read it, but just for your reference, the burden of the Lord is under discussion. And people would say the burden of the Lord and then asked, what has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken? Alluding to the idea that they knew that the Lord doesn't send a burden without it being coupled with a word without it being coupled with a word. And so as I spoke to you many times in scripture, the seed often in scripture is spoken to or of as the word In Luke 8 11, The Bible says now the parable is this the seed is the word of God, the seed is the word of God. First Peter, one verse twenty three says this being born again. And we've looked at this in our our Peter study on on, uh, the Apostle Peter or the Book of Peter study in in, on Wednesday's being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. The seed is equaling the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. And so here we go forth. we're weeping because we have the burden, we have the understanding of what we're carrying in our hand, and it is, it is the gospel, it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It is the word of God, amen. Uh, the Bible speaks about even people being saved through the foolishness of preaching. You're begotten. We have looked at in, in the book of First Peter, you're begotten by the word, you're born again by the word, and so we're carrying this weeping because we understand the gravity of what we have in our hand, what we have in our minds and our mouths, the word of God. And so we go forth with that seed, and the Bible says we go forth bearing that seed and shall doubtless come again, what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing over what? The harvest. Because we didn't go out and, and, and go and not sow. We went out sowing seed. We had a burden for it. Amen. Uh, the Bible says whenever the disciples went out in packs of two, two by two, and they came back, some were talking to the Lord because he sent them out and at one time they were to take script and sword and on and another time they weren't. But they went out two by two to do the bidding of the Lord and how it oft times went, they went to a place and then the Lord would show up later. They would go, in reality, really prepare the soil, the ground the people's hearts. And then the Lord would show up. But nevertheless, they go out two by two. They came back to the Lord and they're like, yeah, man, they're just talking about how great it was and how wonderful it was. And they were rejoicing. But the Lord's call to them was don't rejoice because they said even the, the, the enemy, the devils have been subjected unto us. And Christ said, don't rejoice because devils are subjected to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. When we look at the the parable of Luke 15, and, and we have the lost coin, and we have the lost son, and we have the lost lamb. Amen. Every time there was rejoicing in those parables, it's because the lamb was found. It was because the coin was found. It's because the son came back home. It was because that which was lost, or that which was misplaced, or... or or that which had ran away had come back home. And so if there's going to be any rejoicing, man, we rejoice, that's fine. We want to be, you know, rejoicers in the house of the Lord just because He is God. But there shouldn't be any greater rejoicing than the rejoicing of someone being born again of the water and the Spirit, or coming to an altar of repentance, or a watery grave of baptism, or starting a new life with Christ. Just, Just There should be no greater rejoicing than the rejoicing at those junctures in the road. Amen. Acts eight. Kind of overloading you with scripture today. Just tiptoeing through the books of Acts, it seems. Acts eight, verse twenty-six. And I'm gonna get there myself here today and read out of the word of the Lord. Acts eight and verse twenty-six. The Bible states these words, this is a familiar story perhaps to some. There was a great revival that's already been had in Samaria. And Philip, by the instruction of the Lord, goes to a desert place. And the Bible says in verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south and to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest what thou say what thou readest? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth, which was a scripture from Isaiah. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they, and when they were come out, up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now, winning souls, Philip, a witness unto him, mindful of the Lord, heedful to the Lord, Because he's in the middle of a revival in Samaria. Huh? He's in the middle of revival of Samaria. Peter and John's there. People's receiving the Holy Ghost. People's being baptized. But in all of that, he's mindful of the Lord that whenever the Lord said, Philip arise in verse 26, arise and go toward the south into the way that goeth down to the desert. Whenever he heard arise and go. Philip arose and he went. He was told to join himself with that man that he found. Philip did exactly what the spirit had instructed him to do. He could have been so caught up in the moment of what was going on. And it's possible. Here's something we got to realize. It's possible. You can be so caught up in what's going on in Samaria. Revival's taking place. The spirit of the Lord is moving. You know, you can have a spirit-filled service and there could be people dancing, shouting, jumping, but there could be someone lost right there that needs to touch God. And we're so caught up in the euphoria of the moment that if we're not mindful, we may be missing an opportunity Mm -hmm. to reach another soul. But Philip was mindful. He went. He obeyed the word of the Lord. Amen. And Philip's burden was this. Here's this man. He's reading from the Old Testament Isaiah. It's spelled Isaiah's here uh, in scripture differently. And that's just the difference between the Hebrew and the Greek. But nevertheless, uh, he's reading this. And Philip, Philip has a burden. This man, he asked him, he said, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand it? And so Philip had a burden that the word of the Lord would be understood for this gentleman. And so as he admitted that he didn't, if he could climb up into his chariot, and he did, and I've, I've said this so many times, I feel like um, maybe you guys get tired of me saying this, but Philip started where the man was. You understand what I'm saying? He started where he's right here in Isaiah having problems, uh, contending with this, understanding this. So Philip doesn't start somewhere else. He starts where the man was. And he begins to explain to him what he said. The Bible says he started where the man was, and he preached Jesus to him. Now, the awesome thing about the Bible, start anywhere, and it can always circle back. to. It always circles around to Jesus. Even Jesus told his disciples, he said, read this. He said, it's life. The words that you read are they that speak of me. And whenever he told him that, he was talking about the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets. He said, that's all talking about me. That's, I, you know, we tar, start starting the old tabernacle system, Sonny, and we'll get you to Jesus. We can talk to you about the the old, the old sacrificial ceremonial system of Leviticus, and we'll take you to Jesus. Amen. We can talk about the fall in the garden. We can get to Jesus. We can talk about Daniel and the lion's den, or we can, we can talk about any of that and get to Jesus. And so Philip preached to him, Jesus. Amen. And so there, there, there's, there's, there's just... There's just this rejoicing that's going to be taking place because now that he has preached Jesus to this man, as they're passing by water, the eunuch realizes, hey, here's water. You've been talking to me about Jesus. What hinders me from being baptized? He says, stop the chariot. They go down to the water. The man gets baptized. What's happening here? Exactly what ought to happen, what needed to be happened. Philip's journey to a desert away from where it was quote unquote happening was not in vain because the Lord had a soul somewhere in the desert. Amen. That needed to be reached and and, and Philip preached Jesus to him. He seen his need for baptism was baptized and thank the Lord for this wonderful step for the eunuch. Amen. That that's winning a soul. That's winning a soul. That's being sensitive enough. Amen. To, to, to be mindful of the Lord, even for the one. It used to years ago, or I say years ago, it probably still happens today. People are wanting the masses. Everybody wants 50 souls, you know, or 100 souls. And that is, that's exciting. But we need to be just as excited over one soul. And we need not negate the one because we're going trying to find the 50 at a time. Years ago, years ago, uh, I, one of those times I was with Bishop Carpenter we were kind of just talking back and forth, all this stuff, and we were talking about things of, you know, there are a lot of people getting the Holy Ghost at, at a particular service or conference, and, and Brother he was like, Brother McGee, and I, you know, Brother McGee he said, that, that, that's great, you know, stuff like that happening. He said, but whenever I think of the church being a bride or even at times looked at as a mother, he said multiple births are rare. He said, it's birthing a baby here a year and then there a year. Here a time, there a time. He said, that builds the family. He said, multiple births are rare. Matter of fact, he said, you have multiple births. There's many times that not all the babies make it in a multiple birth. He said, but you birth one here, you birth one there, you birth one here, you birth one there. He said, just a natural process of life. He says, I'm all for it all. He said, but there's nothing wrong with one being born here, one being born there. Acts 9 and verse number 10. The Bible says. There was a certain disciple, at Damascus named Ananias. Everybody remember Ananias, maybe? And to him said the Lord in a vision. Now you have to be a witness unto him. To hear what the Lord is saying. Ananias and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord availability. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he has seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Send somebody else, Lord. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. You really set me up, you know, God. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. What? To bear thy name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will shew him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, I mentioned this last a few weeks ago, Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And there was a certain disciple to begin with. He's nameless. He's nameless has no identity until just a little further down, but it's just a certain disciple. Don't know much about him. Then it gives him a name that he's Ananias, right? He's Ananias. Matter of fact, we don't hear anything of this fellow Ananias before this time. We don't hear anything about him after this time. But what got his name in the scripture is because he was willing to win a soul. He's trustworthy. The Lord knew that he could trust Ananias with a Saul. Has great potential, but it comes to this moment. Here's Saul, a chosen vessel. The Lord told Ananias. He's a chosen. I've heard many bad. I've heard a lot of bad about this one, Lord. Yeah, but he's a chosen vessel. Yeah, he's a chosen vessel. As a matter of fact, I got things lined up for him to be a preacher to Gentiles and to kings and. This one, Lord. (laughs) This one. Yeah, yeah. I need you to go talk to him. And he's expecting you. The Bible says that he he was expecting. He was looking for this man, Ananias. He had seen a vision that Ananias was going to come. A man, Ananias, named particularly in verse 12. Named Ananias coming in and talking to him. I know. This is fine, but you know. I wonder how many are out there that's waiting on you in particular. Seriously, I've said this, I know several times, but it pricks my heart every time because God gave Ananias a vision of Saul and God gave Saul a vision of Ananias. Even his name. So Ananias went looking for a Saul, while Saul, who was blind at the time, was hoping that there was going to show up Ananias. And Ananias puts everything in perspective. He says, and this is, this is great, Ananias tells Saul, he says, that interaction you had with the light on the way to Damascus, that whole God thing and everything, he said, that same that same character that was behind all that is behind me showing up right now at this moment. Woo! Could you imagine showing up in someone's life and they've already been having some things going on and, and some feelings and some pullings upon their heart this way and that way and be able to show up. Hey, I know that you may have been dealing and feeling with some things here lately. Well, the same God that's behind that is behind me showing up at this moment right now in your life to give you direction, to be a light. Yes, oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. Be old, here am I, Lord. Folks, let that be, let that be our plea. Man, it's not just Ananias did it. Man, Isaiah did it in the Old Testament too in Isaiah 6. In the year that king Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train filled the temple and all the water issuing forth from the door of the house. And the Lord saying, well, we're going to have to send someone. And Isaiah says, Lord, send me. That's before he knew what he was supposed to do. Before he, he just knew that there was a job to be done. And they were putting out fillers. We got a job before they knew what the job was about. And Isaiah says, Lord, send me. (laughs) So it wasn't really about, you know, trying to match. Oh, God. It wasn't really about trying to match, if you will, uh, the capability or all all the abilities, if you will, of Isaiah with the description of the job. God was just looking for availability. Because whenever it comes to so winning, we all. Can present availability. Lord says, Arise and go. <laughs> and so he went. Because Saul, in the mind of God, was a chosen vessel. I say again this morning, folks listen, please, please do not be. Reserved in your approach to people because you may know their history. I've heard by many, Lord, that this Saul is such and such and so on and so forth. But Lord, I've I've heard that they kind of they 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 thief money and i've heard lord that they're so entrenched in drugs and i've heard lord might even go beyond a herd you might be in such a situation within this city you know without a shadow of a doubt but we can't be reserving are you going to allow their past to speak louder than god over their future God says, "I see a chosen vessel." Saul's past says, "I see a persecutor." But Ananias had to stand there. What am, what am I going to hear? What God sees can happen, or what's already taken place in a life? Come on. Right? Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. So if we don't watch ourselves, we'll get ourselves caught into the mindset of society. If they're once a cheater, they're always going to be a cheater. Yeah. If they're once an addict, they're always going to be an addict. If they're once a liar, they're always going to be a liar. Honey, if that's the way that we view life, then we've missed somewhere this God factor in things because I have enough evidence in Scripture. People were cheaters. God factor, no longer a cheater. People were an addict. God factor, no longer an addict. We got to say if we believe what we say we believe. Is he able or is he able? Amen. So we need some modern-day Ananias. God sent Ananias. Saul received his illiteral sight back. And then he was filled. He was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the story that I oftentimes like to say where God has worked on both ends. He's dealing with a Saul on one hand to be receiving, of dealing with Ananias on another hand. Amen. And again, once he was lifted up, the drawing started then. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, I need to even, God, can I be depended upon? Can you depend upon me to do the work that you want done? Acts 10. We'll bring it to a close here soon. Soon means within the next 10 minutes. Just four. Acts 10, verse 19. Through verse 24. While Peter thought on the vision. Peter's up in his on the housetop. He's praying about the six hour. He's had this vision about unclean beasts on a sheet that's been let down. The Lord told him, Arise and eat. Peter says, Not so, Lord, which is contradictory within itself. He calls him Lord, Master, but he says, Not so. He does this three times. The Bible says, Then while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. These were... Gentiles. This is concerning the story of Cornelius of the Italian band. They are Gentiles for I have sent them, he says. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. Well, that, is, that is amazing because when they were sent from Cornelius house, he said, You go over there to, 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 to Tarsus and find this one. You know, you go and find Peter one that's with Simon the Tanner, you go and find him. And whenever they show up and Peter's able to go down and said, I'm the one who you're looking for. What is the cause where ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that fear of God and of a good report among all, all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and their friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Now, 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 now consider this for a moment. Verse 19, three men are seeking Peter, seeking him out. Because one man, Cornelius said, go seek him out. And then in verse 20, we have that the spirit, here it is, being mindful, heeding to the spirit tells Peter, arise and go with these men. Now, here's the thing. See, whenever he let down that sheet three times about their being unclean and it's saying arise and eat, that kind of went against everything that Peter thought he knew. That's what the Lord said, arise to eat. He let it down three times. That was to correlate with the three men that were to show up at his door that were Gentiles. But Peter, being a Jew, I'm not really, you know, this interaction here. The Lord was already preparing him for the moment. I told you three times with the unclean, arise and eat. That goes against everything you thought you knew. Now I've sent you three men, all right, that you would say are unclean. And I'm saying, go with them. And so he goes with them and look at verse 22. If you look now at verse 22, this Cornelius that has sent them. He's one Peter to come to him, to his house, to his household. And he's eager to hear the words that Peter has to say. And so here's Peter again going with the burden of the seed of the word of the Lord against what he would think his better human judgment to take the gospel to, to, to Cornelius. But more than just Cornelius, because again, verse 24 says, that it's his house and his household. If you look at verse 24, Cornelius has called together his kinsmen and his near friends. So whenever he shows up at Cornelius' house, he's not going to have a one-on-one meeting with Cornelius. He's going to have a meeting with Cornelius and his family and friends that Cornelius has. And that's the way that so winning works. You never impact a life without impacting lives. God never does the business in a soul without that soul having a mother or having a father or a wife or a husband or kids and grandchildren, aunts and uncles, and then they have acquaintance at the job and friends and families at their. Man. Again, you can't put one seed of corn in the ground and not get 600 to 800 pieces of corn on a cob. It's exponential. Cornelius knew, Peter's, Cornelius knew Peter's name, again, by the vision and prayer. This, is this not mind-boggling? Cornelius knows Peter's name by the vision that he had in prayer. He's devoted to God. He's a good man. Cornelius is a good man. He's make, he makes prayers. Cornelius makes some apostolics look bad in his prayer life. But what he needs is the Holy Ghost. What he needs is the Spirit of God. So Cornelius sent for Peter. He waited for Peter. God lets Peter know that there's no reason to doubt because they have sent him and Peter's able to show up and say, I am who you're looking for. Honey, We need not to be bashful today. We need to be able to declare it from the pulpits of every church. We're what you're looking for. (laughs) We are what you're looking for. Trying to find happiness. Look no further. Trying to find joy and contentment. Look no further. Huh? Trying to find a state of mind of consistency. Look, we're what you're looking for. We need to be able to be bold enough. Honey, if we can't say we're, we're what they're looking for, then we need to go back to an altar and become that before we address it again. I'm, I'm, someone say amen. All right, I'll hurry. Stand with me and I'll close. Because I'm, I have a feeling I could go over 10. Cornet, you're the answer to somebody's prayer today. You're the answer to somebody's prayer today. I know that's hard to believe in it. <laughs> we use my. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? You're my answer to prayer. I know that that can be shaded in different meanings, whether it's you help them financially or, you know, so on and so forth. But we need to realize that in a real, real sense concerning the lost, dying world society of souls, we need to be the answer to somebody's prayer. We ought to be the answer to somebody's prayer. If we bow our heads today. So we're thus winning those souls. Bible, the Bible tells us. Jesus even told, even his disciples, that they were to be as sly as serpents, as harmless as doves. Sly in the sense that they are, they are crafty, and that we can be. We can be in such a way, we can catch people with this gospel truth, in such a way. They don't even know they've been caught until it's happened. (laughs) Oh, we have a grand responsibility. Somebody needs to grab their seed pouch this morning. Go forth into the field. Weeping. Because you were bearing precious seed cannot be rivaled by any other seed. We need to plant that in the soils of people's hearts and souls because there's somebody out there, somebody out there praying today. They're not a Christian. They may have never even had any, any interaction with a church or a God, but they've reached that point in their journey of life that, you know what? They're just saying, you know, I'm just, just going to pray. I don't even know if there's a really a God out there but I'm just going to talk and they have made a prayer today and you may be the very answer you may be the very next signpost on the edge of the road so to speak that helps direct them toward the Savior help us to let our light shine Let me see the good works Glorify our Father which is in heaven There are people out there. There are people out there. There is no lost causes. That's easier said than believed. There is no lost causes. Jeremiah was beholding the potter that's making a vessel out of the clay on the potter's wheel. He said, the clay became marred in the hands of the potter so what the potter did was he would smash that clay back down there in the center of the wheel and he would make it again another vessel there's no i think maybe perhaps a song even says it there's no clay worth thrown away god has the ability God has the ability to make you a vessel of honor. And if you're sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, and perhaps you're you're like the eunuch out in the desert, or perhaps you're the Cornelius that's been praying for direction. Perhaps you feel like the piece of clay that's become marred. Our comfort today is this. At least we become marred, and we are in the hands of the potter. Folks, from the moment you enter this world, from the moment you leave the world, whether you realize it or not, whether you can perceive it or not, you are in the hands of the potter. Now, we at times as clay will not give in to the pressure of the potter's hands upon us. But there are other times that if we'll allow ourselves to be malleable, if we'll allow ourselves to have the impression of his hand upon our lives, he'll make something out of us we cannot even even begin to describe because that's just the way that he is I'm asking today for this church family help us to search ourselves this morning God I want to be a witness unto you I want to be mindful of you there's people God there's people within my circle there's people within my arms distance there's people that I come in contact with God that may need Lord Jesus you And the only you that they'll ever see or that they'll ever recognize may be through me. I pray, oh God, today, Lord Jesus, help us to be the church in this house. Help us, God, to be the Ananias. Help us, God, to be the Apostle Peter. Help us, God, to go. Help us, God, to be sensitive. Help us, God, with a burden to bear the seed, God, of your word and your truth. Help us, O oh God, to lend an ear. Help us, O oh Lord Jesus, to share the fact, God, that there is hope. There is hope. No matter how deep the pit, no matter how horrible the addiction, no matter how great the affliction, God, to constantly voice that there is hope. Hallelujah. Let's talk to God this morning, Brother Mason. I don't know if you have anything prepared here for a song, but let's be sensitive to the Lord. Thank you for listening.